Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Fantastic. Well, happy Father's Day, everyone, and I hope you've been having a great day. And uh, we uh, in this church love to celebrate Father's Day. We love to celebrate life. And so this morning, I want to speak about what it means to be a man, because I think that um, not just about fatherhood, fatherhood, to be a father, you have to know what it is to be a man. And it says in 1 Kings, um, it says in 1 Kings chapter 2, this is a story of David, King David, and King David has got to that point in his life where he's just about to kick the bucket, as they say. And he's, he's passing on, and Solomon has been positioned to take over, uh, and uh, Solomon has in fact Um, being crowned king um, and David is now at this place where he's um, passing on his final words of wisdom and it says in 1 Kings chapter 2 verse 1 to 4 it says as the time of King David's death approached he gave this charge to his son Solomon I am going to where everyone on earth must someday go take courage and be a man observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. If you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise he made to me. He told me, if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. And I love this statement. Take courage and be a man. And it's one of those kind of statements in life that is defined, uh, I think, in today's society. Uh, definitely in the 1970s, movies, um, movies were sort of men were sort of reflected in movies as being sort of tough and hairy chests, big moustaches. Uh, and, uh, and then as time went on, uh, there came a sort of a period where men were considered a little bit sort of a softer jawline, um, uh, sort of movie heroes, uh, more like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, the kind of a softer male hero. A society has placed an interesting demand as to what it means to be a man. And one of the things I've discovered, I listen, as you know, a lot to radio, and I listen to a lot of social commentary. And the social commentary about what it means to be a man and and what men should do. One of the things that overwhelmingly gets said um, about manhood is that if men can just rise up in their feminine side, if they can get in touch with it, they just get in touch with their feminine side, all of their difficulties would be resolved. I remember listening to the fact they were talking about men don't go to the doctors so often they because they don't like to talk to the doctors about their problems saying you really they just need to come and sit down and and chat and I'm sitting there thinking yeah that ain't gonna happen and because uh, <laughs> you know here's a news flash right men don't have a feminine side <laughs> all right it just doesn't exist and people think that you know when a man um, is listening to his wife and not checking his emails while she's talking that's not being feminine. That's, that's just a man just relaxed. Maybe he's phased out. Maybe, 
he's on drugs or something, but <laughs> he's, uh, he's not being feminine because he's listening. He, he's, not, he's not having a feminine side because he's being gentle and caring at that moment in time. He, he, he's not being uh, uh, feminine because he's not talking about the football and he is listening to the things that you're talking about. That isn't his feminine side. That just happens to be a man who's very relaxed and at ease with himself. However, when a man is being a man, sometimes a man has to go to his cave. Every man knows his cave. My cave is the outside. I don't have a cave, but I have a place. It's called outside, and I like to be out there and on my own. I like being on my own. A man is comfortable being on his own, even when he likes. I'm a very chatty person, and I... I can't walk past people I know without talking to them. In fact, Cheryl came out Saturday morning. Um, I went off with the dog. Uh, family are getting breakfast. I thought I'd take the dog off for a walk and a pray, and I come back. I'm normally about, not very long, about half an hour or so. Um, I don't know how long I was, but all I know is by the time I came back up the lane, she was in the car coming looking for me. <laughs> I'd left my phone at home. What had happened is I'd bumped into one of my neighbours. I ended up sitting in their lounge having coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Hadn't got my phone. (laughs) And uh, so she had no idea where I was. And I'm sitting thinking, yeah, Cheryl's going to be worried now. I've disappeared, got out with a dog, no phone. She's ringing the phone, the phone's at home. uh, But, you know, a man likes to be... Um, a man likes to be in his cave. He likes to be in the place he needs where he, he can think and mull over his own thoughts. But also a man um, can be sensitive. He can be kind and gentle. He can be all of those things that a, that a wife would need him to be. But that isn't feminine. A man needs to know how to be a man. And, and David says to Solomon, be a man. What seems obviously apparent in this scripture is that being a man isn't, a, isn't obvious just being male. So there is a difference between being male and being a man. And that's a key because David's telling Solomon to be one. He's already a man, but he's got to be one. So in other words, King Solomon is, is, a, is a young man, but he's, not, he's got to learn to be a man. And so this morning I want to look at what it means to be a man. What, what defines a man and what defines who he is, not just his classically playful, um, childlike senses, ability to just have fun and blow things up. And I was liking the video, the pyrotechnics. Uh, every time we have young adults come over, there's a lot of pyrotechnics. I have stores of fireworks in my house at any one time. And I do have right now, if anyone needs to blow anything up. And uh, we have, Neil comes over and we, make, we have potato guns. And when I'm talking potato, I'm not talking spud guns. I'm talking we blow potatoes across entire fields. And uh, we also attach fireworks to them. Um, and uh, we've done all sorts of... We, we, um, when I was staying at the Minties, we nearly killed a cyclist as he drove past. Because these, 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 I mean, these are potatoes. They, like, you know, you wouldn't want one of these things going at 200 miles an hour in the side of your head. And uh, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a man in his playful world. That's a man in his, in his world of just, like, let's just break loose and break all the rules. We like that kind of thing, don't we, guys? We like to, but, but there's something else about a man 
that makes him a man that defines the role and the purpose and the destiny, the call of God upon his life. And, and, and King David says, take courage and be a man, observe the requirements of the Lord your God. See, the first thing that defined David, uh, sorry, Solomon as a man, is that he had to take and live his life a live a life of discipline. He had to take a hold of the responsibility that was placed upon him and live a disciplined life. And what often happens in our lives is that we find ourselves trying to avoid responsibility. Excuse me, it, it, a responsibility. We find ourselves trying to avoid the things that place a burden upon us. But a man is a man who rises to the responsibility that's laid upon him. And David here, a responsibility is placed upon him to live a disciplined life. For that life, for Solomon, that was a live a life according to the law. Well, we don't live now according to the law, but we live according to faith. I want you to know that the life of faith is as much a discipline as the life of the law. Who's with me here? The life of faith is as much discipline as the life of the law. But it, it's, it works by different values. The life of the law was based upon the functions of your, of your actions. But the life of faith is based upon the discipline of your heart, which takes much more discipline to take care of. For you can fulfill the function of the law with a bad heart, but you cannot fulfill the function of life in Christ with a bad heart. And so you, Solomon is being called to live a life and Solomon understood actually that in all of that discipline his heart had to be right and he makes a prayer he says God in all of these things I ask for one thing that you give me wisdom in other words Lord keep my heart right before you and we have to understand that you know that the life of discipline is a life that it's the everyday now how many of you have ever done a, a, a diet to lose a bit of weight or get a bit healthy. I don't do diets particularly to lose weight, but I do them to keep healthy. Um, and uh, I've been doing a, a fast just recently. Um, it's, well, it's not a, it's a Kevin fast, right? So it involves <laughs> a lot more food than you can imagine. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's like, it's just healthier food. I take out, what I do is I, I have um, a couple of times a year, uh, well, I'll, I'll take out um, wheat, um, dairy, um, and uh, red meats, um, but uh, I've included chicken because it's good for you, and, uh, and fish, um, but I've also reduced the kind of meals um, that I'm eating, so I'm only having one main meal a day, uh, and then I'll have like a smoothie in the morning, some fruit, uh, and that's my, and I'll do that for like three weeks, uh, and that is amazing what it does to the body, it just flushes out um, some of the the sort of toxin keeps you healthy and vibrant. Uh, you lose a bit of weight, but you, you're vibrant. You take discipline. But how many of you know you can't do that every day for the rest of your life? Because in the end, the cow needs eating. It's out there. It needs eating. It's, I mean, it's mooing at me every day. I drive past it every day. It's mooing. I'm, I'm going to get you. <laughs> I get that knife. I'm going, I'm going to eat the cow. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't do those kind of, it's very hard to live disciplined. And how many of you know, if you've done an exercise program, you joined a gym, but you didn't, you didn't complete the year? How many of you 
uh, started a, a program, but it was something that you imagined you would like to do, but actually in the process of doing it, you found that you couldn't finish it. Yeah. said so that's like you do loudly. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think everybody else here knows what you're talking about right here, don't you? We all know that you, you try some stuff and you find that you don't give yourself to it. But you see, there is a discipline of life. I was raised, it, my parents raised me in a, in a generation of life. They were raised in a generation of, of habits being placed that you did without question. You just did them. And we had disciplines placed around our life that actually, in our generation, we started to question them because some of them were just unusual traditions. Uh, we were raised to go to church on Sunday and there were things that you couldn't do on Sunday like read the newspaper. We weren't allowed to read. If you read the newspaper, you weren't born again. We discovered that that isn't true. <laughs> so we're going, actually, we can read the newspaper on a Sunday. If I do go into a shop and buy something, I'm not going to burn in hell. <gasps> Thank goodness for that. And, but we, you know, we were raised with certain traditions of Christian living, but actually what our parents were raised in is a generation of placing good habits upon your life that you may be able to live and prosper. My parents were lived, they raised, they would have this money box in the house and, it, you know, before the days of credit cards and online payments and the cash just went in and it had, they had housekeeping money and food money. And it, I remember the money going in the money box. There was a discipline of money just being put away. I remember every year, my dad, mum and dad, they would have a holiday. They were extremely poor and they didn't know how they were going to pay for it. But they created a disciplined lifestyle to make sure every year they took us away. They would always, we were poor, but they would find a way. They would pack, uh, pack up the tent. A big chest of drawers would go with us. We're a family of eight and uh, go in the back of the van. It was a big transit van, and it was just crowded. And we'd take the furniture, take the dogs, take everything. And we'd go away on holiday. But it used to happen because of the discipline of the parents our parents were raised in. I was talking to my neighbor. We were sitting around the bonfire. It was the football night, uh, Brazil versus Croatia. We didn't watch the match. We, I sat with my neighbors until about quarter past midnight uh, on, um, on uh, what was that, Thursday night. And uh, we just sat around and we're chatting and, and uh, uh, we're talking about praying with the children. And they were saying the fact that they were saying it's a shame that children are being raised and the children don't know how to pray. And, uh, and I was speaking to them of the joy of praying with your kids. And I, say, I was saying to them the joy that if you pray with your children every night and you teach them the ways of prayer, that even in their teenage years, their difficult years, they know not only how to pray, but they are able to chat to you about prayer because you've come into their room and you've spent that time with them every day. And just the joy. Why is that? That is a dip discipline. Cheryl was raised with the same value of prayer, and that's what has enabled her to sit there today. You see, when you put those kind of disciplines around your life, that's what enables you to get to that place. And it enables you, see, 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 to be a man. A man is someone who places the disciplines. He's a man is one who says, these are, these are the disciplines that I will live in my life. It's not that I expect other people to live them. I will live them. A man lives by discipline, not by Lawlessness. You know, it says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to, from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper 
wherever you go. You know, there is something, you, you, walk, around, you walk around town in, and in the summer weather, um, when, when nobody's wearing coats, all the guys with the muscles stand out. And you walk around, you're, and they, they walk past, and they got there. And they, guys with muscles always wear T-shirts one size too small, don't they? <laughs> I tried doing that once, but it just looks ridiculous. And you sort of trying to pick it up to him. <laughs> and uh, your moobs. And. Uh, <laughs> And so, you know, the, the guy, they're walking around. As they walk around, they walk past you, these, these big muscly guys, they walk past you and you go... <laughs> pull it in, stick it out. And they walk... <sighs> nearly died. <laughs> but you know, you see, discipline takes courage. And, and the, one of the greatest verses in the Bible in Joshua, when Joshua, God is speaking to Joshua, and consistent messages about finding your position in your life in God is to take courage, to find courage. That, that don't let courage be robbed from you. The courage is the essence. It is a choice and decision of your heart that you would choose not to be afraid, not to live by fear, but to draw on, on God and say, I'm going to do this. It takes courage to live a disciplined life. It takes courage to push, push beyond. You know, that, that you see, that the, the people who live in blessing didn't get there um, without any discipline. They got there because they lived disciplined life. They made choices for their life that were hard to make. And I was listening to, um, as a Scottish businessman, it could be Bannatyne actually, I'm not sure if it, the Bannatyne's Jim, the guy who, um, and I, it could be his story. Uh, I was listening, he's a multi-millionaire, and um, his story, he started off selling ice cream. And uh, so he's got an ice cream van. Well, most people who get ice cream vans retire selling ice cream from ice cream vans. But now he's a multi-millionaire. When you listen to his story, he made decisions. He made hard decisions. And he took courage to make those decisions, and that's what caused it. Now, the rest of us are not going to do that. Very few of us are prepared to do that, because the point is very few of us are prepared to go through that much pain. That's why. Everyone go, oh, I'd like to be that rich. No, I don't think you would. I'd like to have that much money. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think you want to go through that much pain in and in being that successful. Because he was prepared to take more courage. He was prepared to go further. Joshua was prepared to have courage to take the children of Israel. Well, this is the bottom line, guys. Men need to have courage. Ladies... The hu- your husbands and your sons, your dads, they need to be encouraged to have courage. That is, see, see if, if a man needs anything, he needs encouragement that he is a man. There is nothing more self-defeating than the feeling that you failed in manhood. And many guys carry the burden that they failed in manhood, but to be able to stand and say, I'm going to live a disciplined life, is what builds up his internal being of who he was called to be. Now what happens is this, that 
With every right choice comes a reward. See, the kingdom of God is about reward. King David said, wants to know what's the reward for killing Goliath. It's the hot chick that belongs, that is Saul's daughter. That's the reward. And uh, you would think it would be half the kingdom. No, he's not interested in the kingdom. It's the girl. He, he wanted the girl. And so he goes out to kill Goliath. He, you know, Goliath has been around and he's been, he's been, but he wants to know what the reward is before he gets affronted that Goliath is speaking against the name of the Lord. <laughs> so at the moment he finds out what the reward is, he's prepared to stand up for it. You, you've got to understand that there is, a, there is a reward. You see, what often happens in people's lives is they pull back from the discipline because they don't feel like the reward is worth it. A lot of people give up because they fail to see what is the reward that you find in God. And I, I want you to understand, see, God never fails to deliver on those who consistently push in to find Him. He always brings a blessing into your life. If you are prepared to live a life that lives in faithfulness, you will find that reward. It says in verse 4, If you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise He made to me. You see, Joshua was given a promise in verse 7 it's, um, of prospering. It says in, in Joshua 1 verse 7, it says this, That you may prosper wherever you go. You see, to make a stand and not to melt into the world around you. We spoke um, a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was on Gideon, or was it last week? I can't remember now. And we spoke on Gideon, and Gideon had melted away into society. Gideon had a way of doing life that was slightly different for everyone else. He was, in, he was um, ingenious with difficult situations. He found a way around. He was threshing the, the wheat in the wine press but he was keeping his head down and he was melting into the way society was living its life. He was allowing the life's events to just pass him by. He didn't like them, but he didn't feel like he could do anything about them. I, I want you to understand that, that, you see, Gideon found courage when he found the reward. The reward came with the promise of who he was going to be. And that was enough motivation for Gideon to rise up and be the mighty man of valor. Rise up, you mighty man of valor. I'm a mighty man of valor. I don't think I am. Suddenly, he starts to get a feeling for what he is to be a mighty man. He says, he starts, but he puts out his chest and he, he feels like, and he feels the muscles and he goes, I am a mighty man of valor. And suddenly he gets the courage. I'm such a mighty man of valor. I'm going to pull down the altar to Baal at night. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do it when no one's looking. But it's the first step. And, and, and so he discovers what it is and he successfully managed to, to, to lead his men into a place of his first, first triumph. What did he do? He finds courage when he discovers reward. You see, God promises reward for those who walk a life of faith. And this is the deal. Christians are constantly asking God to bless them before they take a step of faith. But God says it comes after. It comes after. Reward comes after. See, faith, reward is the result of faith. 
You can't have reward so you can have faith. Because it isn't faith then. Does that make sense to you? You've got to understand that a life of faith, you know, there are many, many things over the years that Cheryl and I have committed our life to and setting ourselves up for a life of promise. We have to understand that, see, God is a God of promises. It says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen. Yes and so be it. God, can we see you do mighty things in Aberdeen? Yes and so be it. Now that's so be it. That amen is very powerful because the amen is yes you can and so be it is the command that makes it happen. Right. When, when Nehemiah is um, in Babylon and there he is, he's, he's miserable, he's meant to be preparing, he's holding the cup for the king, uh, he's the wine taster to make sure the wine hasn't been poisoned. What a great job that would be. <laughs> Every day. You never know whether it's your last. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and, and here he is, and he's coming in, but he's been doing it with a smile on his face every day. One of those, you, know, you probably get the sellotape. He tapes his face up and he smiles as he comes in. Good morning, King. Yes, your wife is... <laughs> okay, it's all right. It was just a fly. And, uh, <laughs> and gives him the wine every day but one day he comes in and he finds that the, the king is like Nehemiah you're looking a bit uh, miserable what is your problem and suddenly he discovers that it is because Jerusalem has been burnt and the walls have been torn down and the king gives him a command to go and do it and he gives them power and he gives them resource and he gives him everything he needs to go and do it but he sets out to do it. He, he sets himself before the king. He can't hold it in any longer. He has to do this thing. He has to lay it before the king. Now, I want you to know that you've got to lay it before the king because the, because the king says yes and amen. The king says yes and amen. And you, you've got to understand that, that there is a yes and amen of your life. But to get the amen, you've got to live by faith. And faith requires discipline. And that is what makes a man. Let's stand up, shall we?